0: This is Fam Electric Ghost with Aaron Stoner, the founder of Pod Loop. So thank you very much for being on the show tonight or this afternoon. I always forget what time zone I'm in because I'm talking to people all over the world.
1: <laughs> it's night somewhere. Well, thanks so much for having yeah, it's me. It's always night somewhere.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's great to be here. Um, Let let our listeners and uh, viewers know that we're on the Newsly platform as a featured podcast. Use coupon code Ghost to get one month free premium subscription so you can stop scrolling and start listening. We'll be on Newsly later today. So thank you again for being on the show. We are at 8. So we've been out here for a little bit. So um, that's, that's always fun. To track where we are and uh you can maybe talk a little bit about what your service does for people
1: yeah absolutely so i've got pod pod loop it's pod-loop.com and uh, we do uh, podcast consulting and editing um i started off with editing but i do have a lot of people that uh that inquire about it that are just looking to get started with podcasting so i do help out with uh Consulting that and uh, helping people get started, let them know what equipment to use, what programs to use to, uh, because it's it's so easy to to launch your own podcast for for cheap now. But uh, we also do editing uh, for the more uh, more produced type podcasts. If you want to do any sort of sound design uh, or EQing, mastering, uh, and adding intro outro music and things like that so i'm getting more and more into sound design which is the most fun part of it for me
0: yeah that's interesting I've, i have i being a musician i actually have music and i've always thought of taking some of my music and integrating it for like an intro but it seems like at least on the platform i'm on it just kind of runs through the whole thing and i don't want it running through the whole thing
1: because <laughs> the yeah there's a little talk it's definitely more complicated when you do stuff live, but there's there's ways around it. If you set that up, uh, you can do, you know, side chaining where when someone's talking, the music goes down.
0: Oh yeah, I should probably try that. Like my mixer, I could run it through another channel. I just haven't wanted to like fumble with multiple things at at once. So like AI automation would be cool for me for certain things. Like like I'm very interested in AI in the distribution side because I'm on a bunch of platforms and I have to do a lot of manual work, even though I have distributors that automatically cascade, I still have to physically put my information into the different tools. And if I want to make a landing page, I kind of go in and I create it from scratch. So I think there's a lot of opportunities for that type of marketing automation so that you can have, your shows and stuff. So I'm wondering, do you do stuff like that to help people with that? Or are you more? Of a I,
1: so I do have a sales background and marketing. So I I do help with that on a, in a different sense. Um, but the AI stuff is getting crazy. And I, I have a good buddy who is deep into ai marketing so i've been chatting with him on how to it seems like it's it's almost there it's not quite there yet to be like what you're saying to do full distribution automatically but it's almost
0: yeah i'm very interested like there's some in people that.
1: That, there's some companies that <laughs> claim it can do it but it's not yeah. quite there yet but the ai is going crazy especially for video audio editing there's stuff that claims it does it automatically now, with especially with podcasts, like automatically doing video cuts and audio edits. Well, that's you know, cool. No, the normal stuff that takes hours to do in post What I found is the
0: transcriptions are still a little off because I had a transcriber uh-huh. and then I was like, well, I have to actually go read an hour worth of my podcast to go an hour. So it, to me, yeah. it wasn't worth it because the amount of like errors it had was like, well, I'm not paying for that because it still had... Like, you know, 30% error.
1: Rate yeah, and it's it real expensive, especially for the long-form yeah. podcast. But I, I like to use that for um, for summaries. Summary might be can, good. Because you can just get the transcription, plug that into a conversational AI or ChatGPT, and have it summarize it. And that's good for uh, for doing summaries and show notes. And bullet point topics.
0: Yeah, that might be cool. I have to check and see how good it does. Because still, sometimes what I've seen is it doesn't accurately grab that information correctly from my podcast, at least in my experience, at least a couple of tools I use. But it's interesting. How did you get into the idea that you wanted to, you know, create this podcast editing agency? Like what made you think that that was something that would um, be Uh, Needed and you were interested in.
1: Yeah, great question. So I I have a music background as well myself. So um, I'm a bass player and trumpet player mainly, and I've got a band where we have a studio here in Nashville. We do a full production uh, there too. So um, I've I've been in music production for over a decade, and. I love podcasts. Honestly, I was a little uh, hesitant to get started. I've loved podcasts for years, of course, and always thought, uh, I in the last few years, thought maybe it was too late to jump into the podcast, you know, podcasting game. Because, of course, as you know, the most successful podcasts are the ones that have been around for for a decade, forever, you know for a really long time because a big thing about growing your podcast is the consistency of it. And most podcasts don't make it past like 10 episodes. So (laughs) out of the millions of podcasts that, that are starting now, so consistency is key. So I finally decided, you know, I had some friends from word of mouth just say like, ask me to edit their podcasts. So I've, I edited a few. um, And I, you know, so I love audio and audio editing and especially my wife does voiceover so I do a lot Mm -hmm. of dialogue editing as well and I just like listening I like uh, just consuming information so I'm like I'm listening to podcasts anyway and Mm -hmm. so might as well be editing them while I'm doing
0: so it's like like music engineering like like, if you're into engineering you want to be an engineer or you're a producer like you like you live and breathe that stuff and so it's like Going into podcasting, it's like, oh well, it's the same tool set to a certain extent. So there's like more video nowadays. So you have to, it's not just yeah. all audio. though I think audio is still the primary thing for most podcasts. And I do distribute on tons of audio platforms. And a video platform is maybe like four. And the rest yeah. of them are all, and there's like maybe 16 platforms I'm on. There's like four more video, the rest of them are audio.
1: Yeah. So I finally, I looking at the stats, it's like podcasts are still exploding and still growing after, you know, even after the pandemic explosions. And so I was like, might as well jump in and get started because I just love audio and creating.
0: Yeah, I've always been into it because I like the live format. You know, I tried recording ones in the past and I just, I like the kind of radio nature like yeah. a, a radio show. And also this, is just the kind of thing, the way I do music, I I'm, I'm kind of a Dallas guy. Uh-huh. I like to just go directly to multi-track. I got a lot of analog, a lot, a lot of, um, uh, Euro rack type of stuff. And yeah. it's like the capture point in time. And what I feel is like, you know, there was, there was a conversation that when John had on yellow Book road. And he said, he was kind of lamenting the modern daw. He said, you know, I was doing yellow brick road in a mansion with the band Bernie would write the lyrics and we put the song down that day and maybe it's like yeah. the third and that's it. That's about as far as they would go because they wanted to catch like the honesty of what they were doing. And then if they kept on hitting it, they started getting further away from what the original intent was. And then I yeah. kind of feel like I'm podcasting with the live podcast. I kind of get people to tell me really what's in their head. Rather than oh, I want to edit that. I want to change that. I want to change that. And I'm like, I'm not into that.
1: <laughs> yeah, like Dolly Parton wrote "Jolene" and "I Will Always Love You" in the same day. Like, that's the. But but people don't see the the hours of dedication and the years of dedication of trying to do that every day. Yeah, uh, that went in before that. But when when you're in there and the the magic hits the the live. The live creation in the moment is is the best, in my opinion, as well. But yeah, I also, you, um, I, I use Ableton Live for all my editing stuff too. So, are you familiar with?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with Dawes, but I, I, I live in like live tracks and now 20s and Tascam 20s, and I kind of, I, I, like the feel because I started with Fostex and Tascam and stuff. Yeah, I like the feel of of just learning my song, going and that's in. That's what and it playing. is.
1: Yeah, it's the I, I, feel I, of it. The feel yeah. of it. There's stuff like that that people don't hear. It's just the, like, you just feel it. And I have like, and that's something with podcasts too, especially with people getting started. Um, sometimes they don't realize how, how the audio, um, can affect the listener even subliminally because there's mm-hmm. like ear fatigue and things that are happening subliminally when you're listening to music and when you're listening to audio that you don't necessarily know uh, but the feel of the analog is the thing that like hits you know hits you you know
0: yeah it's like that's what mug. you feel and hits why, you deep. Why, yeah, why, yeah. oh, like why i use a moog uh, bass rather than a digital moog is because the analog moog when I run it through like you know Neve processors and stuff, it mm-hmm. just if I run that totally into a into a DAW, like I find I lose some of it. Uh huh. You know? you know, what I I like and I know like the the world was like there's this whole thing that happened with the DX7. I don't know if it, I'm going to kind of diverge into things. No, do it. In a synth head, <laughs> when the when the FM digital synth came and the Roland D50 came. The recording engineers loved it because the analog was taking up a lot of the headroom. And so when you had the digital synths, they didn't take up as much headroom and you could layer stuff. But what they lost was the sounds that you used to get from like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and the Stevie Wonders of the world. And uh, yes, and Genesis is that those analog synths, they do take up a lot of bandwidth. They do take up a lot of headroom, but there's something about them. That's actually, you know, he's like an EMS VC3 from like Pink Floyd. There's something about that analog signal that digital doesn't recreate. You mm-hmm. can try to get close, but it never really matches it. And there's something about that, that. I just like that untamed sound. And I like, you know, the feel of it. It's kind of, it's almost organic, even though it's a, it's a machine. And when you deal with the analog sense, they they have a lot of expression, kind of like a Hammond organ. Like if you've got the draw bars, when you've got your Moog, you have so many controls, you can actually make them part of the performance. So if you're a keyboardist and you're on a mini Moog, you're on a Voyager, you're on like a Prophet 5, all those controls are part of the performance. And if you ever watched a Bernie Bernie, Bernie Warl or, or Rick Wakeman, you can see them actually touching their Moogs and touching their mm-hmm. profits because it's actually like the draw bars on on a, on a B3. It's the same thing. And that's That's the kind of thing I think people lose with the mouse, See, you could t- technically get to it, but it's not the same as actually doing it real time.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I did a session of with a pump organ session the other day where we set up mics all over this big church and just slammed this pump organ as capture loud as it. it could go, and it's just like that's just the we had to have like eight mics on it to catch it to try yeah. to capture it, but it's just so yeah. So much information and so beefy is is wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I just love. I love about that is just the, kind of like the feel. You know, I'm not, I'm kind of into the punk aesthetic. I love listening to the Clash and bands like Who's could Do, and I I love this album like Zen Arcade. They did it like t- within 48 hours. They went into mm-hmm. a warehouse and they just cut it. And I'm like, I kind of like that idea, and I like the idea like what Frank Zappa he used to go and like record his live shows and then mm-hmm. go back to his living room and listen to the tapes mm-hmm. and then kind yeah. of say, okay, this goes with this, this goes with that. And just have this kind of free form kind of fusion feel to how you record. And like, not that you're going to take everything that you laid down, but you use that, that kind of performance to kind of figure out what you're going to do to the that's point. The, where, yeah.
1: The Wolfpack. Are you familiar with Wolfpack? Yeah. 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 That's what, that's their mindset too. Cause after, you know, they stole the Beatles idea then, but they just say like, just put one mic on every instrument. Like you don't need to get too complicated. Just do the Beatles thing, do the Abbey road thing, and just put one mic on everything and get in a room and play it all together. Cause there's nothing better than that. If you look at, you know, Volpeck Beatles stuff, uh, the funk, any funk brothers stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, all that, it's, it it's live and simple.
0: That's why I even like, I like some of my live track stuff that I got where every input to my mixer actually gets its own stem, right? So if I got all my modes going into their own channel, they all get recorded. And then yep. later I can kind of play with them. And then, you know, my R20, I can move them around like a DAW. It actually has a uh-huh. touch speed and I can move tracks around. And yep. so I can put, lay it down and I can like reprocess it after I could let it go. And just kind of like, I don't know, it's just the feel of that kind of like, I call it like stream of consciousness recording.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, exactly. it's
0: kind of like, yeah. like a poet doing the, just a like going on the mic and just free forming it.
1: Yeah. Freestyle and like old school, like yeah.
0: school hip hop guys, you know, back in mm-hmm. the day, like the, the old old OGs. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's something about when, when you can do that, like the grandmaster flashes of the world is like, you know, KRS one, like, like, yeah, there's something about when you can do that and they actually are on vinyl and the DJ's on a vinyl, not a CDJ, and, like, there's they a certain talent to be able to do that. Oh, yeah.
1: Right?
0: Yeah, it's, like, equal to playing on the Moke. <laughs>
1: hmm hmm
0: So what other services you were talking about, like, the, your cutting-edge audio editing and, uh, you know, being able to increase the listening experience of, of a podcast. So maybe talk about, that, that whole process and what you do with a client, like when somebody engages you, what, 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 what can they expect?
1: So I've got this, uh, I'm trying out this uh, quick start edit right now where if once you inquire, I'll shoot you a text and uh, Dropbox immediately send you a Dropbox folder and you just upload your audio and I'll have, I'll put that together in a, uh, in an episode within 48 hours and send it back to you um i do i one thing that i've been doing that i that i like to do with a lot of these the new podcasts like uh is take bits of the podcast to uh to create some sort of you know intro outro or um like for example his
0: clipper or something
1: yeah and use that throughout you know create themes create uh drops and segments So, you know, if you say something catchy, save that for future episodes as a as a familiar thing that triggers something uh, in the listeners that are that is like, oh, yeah, I know that that's familiar to me uh, and engages people more. Um, Like, for example, there's this one podcast on their first episode. They these guys just had a buddy with a guitar that was there who just played a little guitar lick. uh, And I ended up taking that and that is the it wasn't supposed to be, but that's the intro. And then I chopped it up and have little pieces for transitions throughout. So it's like, that's the organic, like improv stuff. The things that are actually happening. That's unique to that podcast that can loops back and is familiar. Also that, so the podcast is called beers and sunshine. So they, uh, they on the podcast have, they'll open beers on the podcast. So I'll take those (laughs) clips of like a, and Actually, yeah, use sense. I'll use that sound to censor, you know, curse words later in the oh, episode. If yeah, oh, that's <laughs> so,
0: cool. So you're freeform, you know. and that's the, way, the add the add that's the additional benefit of like if you're you're recording an album, and you go and get a recording engineer and a producer, and then they start to say, hey, you know, maybe we should have shadow vocals, or maybe you should do this layer, maybe you should do this, change the transition, or make make the intro like part of a fill or make that, you know, a change. So that's the added benefit of having the years of experience with like when you somewhat, you know, cause like if you're a musician, you know, we get tunnel vision, we write the demo. And it's like, this is what I think it should be. Right. And then, then sometimes it's like, you, you should open it up to have other people interpret your stuff and then you can get like better acceptance, which it seems like that's what you're doing. You're kind of finishing it off.
1: Definitely. And that's been my role in music too, is more, much more on the production and post-production than the creation. You know, as a bass player, I'm not writing the songs. I'm Mm. often adding to the songs and arranging and, uh, and doing the production you're, you're talking about. So I love doing that with podcasts too. And the next, the next level of that is the full sound design and, Mm. um, a few like, um, there's a few podcasts that are improv comedy podcasts that I listen to that do amazing sound design. Well, they where you know instead of having like a room tone or or something, they actually create full background noises where it sounds like they're in like a it sounds like oh. they're in a public place, or you mm-hmm. know, depending on where they are in the story, there's a different background base noise, and then full sound effects and creating like that as well too
0: because i had the story about george martin um george martin and the beatles like people don't realize that george martin was the production engineer producer for peter sellers Mm -hmm. and peter sellers used to do these comedy records and the comedy records had all kinds of tape loops and effects and all kinds of special aspects. And actually the, the 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 four lads, like the Beatles, they had actually liked what was going on on those Peter Sellers records. And when they found out George Martin had actually produced them, then they said, well, what if we did that with a rock band? And that came yep. kind of in the genesis of like, when you get to Rubber Soul and you get to, you get to like uh, Sergeant Peppers, and they started taking that full effect of what he had done on the Peter Sellers records and apply it to a rock band yep and, I, and make it like and he's like you know i record i could record them like they're in hamburg but if i if i use the studio like monet uses the the the, the painting right you can do expressionist stuff that you can't do necessarily live or maybe you can now but there's stuff in the studio you could do that you can't do live
1: right exactly and that's and that's the same thing that you know that happened with when pro tools came out and uh, analog people saying like oh that's cheating or that's going to take over the jobs <laughs> and the same thing that's happening with ai now or people yeah. are like it's going to take over job creative jobs where it's not like it's just a new tool and you can yeah. you can choose to stick with what you got or choose to move forward with with stuff and you can do some some crazy stuff with the <laughs> the new technology using it as a tool if you think of it as you know as a as a tool to use for creating rather than replacing the creative.
0: Yeah. I think the problem is when people think of like, I'm going to make a, a AI podcast to replace the human ho- host. Right. 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 Like, you know, or, or if you say I'm going to replace all the members of the band yeah, and just have AI music, you know, I look at it like, you know, I use Roland's and Roland's got this thing called like an intelligent arpeggiator. And it's not exactly AI, but it knows like when you're playing keys to actually, put in bass lines and bass lines follow what you do and yeah, it's kind of like the future of ai is that, you know if you're a, sol- a solo musician and like hey i would love to have a string section i can't afford it so maybe you yeah. can it may be like i want to have a little traskowski to hear or like little beethoven or something or i want to feel like this and you can mention it and it was like, oh yeah it'll bring it in and then yeah. you're you're still writing the song but you're getting some enhancement i don't see That that the problem with that is probably when you try to replace ninety nine percent of what you're doing, then then I kind of like I don't know if that's the best idea.
1: (laughs) Well, it's the combination of ideas, which is the same thing our brains do. Is for in like an improv jazz musician is like isn't playing anything they've never played before. You know they have they aren't playing notes they they haven't played before. They've just played all the notes so many times and all the combinations of notes so many times that it's, you know, you can feel it and they don't have to think about charging. it and they can just go with it. So they may be pulling from, you know, Louis Armstrong or Dizzy Gillespie. Uh For a like, show
0: tune. Like I've heard jazz musicians to. Pull, yeah. Yeah, pull a show they tune they, into it. They, they
1: memorize so much stuff so they can pull that stuff all the time. Yeah. So the, the what AI allows you to do is create the combinations that you you know that your brain does the, the combinations of stuff that you know so you could you know uh essentially maybe at some point say like i want uh you know a quest love style playing ringo sounding drums with uh george martin style production and uh you know, yeah. like take because, the, yeah, like input all this information into the AI, and then make your own combination of what you want production to sound like with with.
0: Uh... Yeah, I would. I would, I think I like. I think it would really be cool is if you could get it to do the engineering things, like yeah. it's like it's actually replicating like the Neve board. Right? Yes, or it's replicating what George Martin did on this.
1: Right. You know, right. Right. Right.
0: What Todd Rundgren did on this. Yes, I want that production treatment to be done on my song right and if it could do that i think that's really cool i mean that yeah. i mean recording engineers play like oh don't do that
1: <laughs> but, yeah, um, but but they can i mean you can use that as a tool I'm did you see the was it today i think you know grimes mm-hmm. yeah, no came problem. out with the thing saying like if you uh use ai to, and my voice with ai i'll give you 50 percent of the royalties because all these AI, all these people are making like, uh, yeah, Drake AI copies well, I, that are being yeah. Well, I think from the, the one issue
0: is is the the digital rights management has to get on top. Like if you start pulling, yeah. and you don't get authority, it's you know it's still somebody's work. Like if somebody pulls something that's distinctly distinctively Drake, or is distinctively you know a Polish artist, and you didn't give it credit that's where I think it's the kind of like the, the footnotes yeah. in the credit. Like as long as people get credit, then most people will be say, okay, but some musicians are like, you got to get clearance because they don't, they don't want you doing it.
1: Right. But, but there's no roadmap for how that works or what the, yeah, well, I think that's the what problem the royalties she, would be. So Grimes <laughs> has started that by saying like, and I think she, that's a great move because you know, how many, Grime songs may come out of that. That's free press and free money for her without doing any work. And yeah
0: well she took a, took, took it took the tiger by the tail and yeah. and decided to deal with it rather than letting the industry deal with it. Now I know I, I think the recording industry is trying to create some kind of structure like digital rights management, like like the copyright kind of violations we get today. and it, it, it's gonna have to be something that gets with the business people and the lawyers and the artists. You got some artists yeah. are probably like be really like you know I'm not like Neil Young you know you know I I love Neil Young but he's like he's probably gonna be like no
1: <laughs> he's like, yeah because,
0: like but that's that's his opinion you know I, I maybe yeah, I'm but speaking he for him but he like, mean he, he, that's you know that's his point
1: of view but yeah yeah
0: but I think if people take 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 it where you want to take it like I think as long as the, my whole thing is like if an artist should get credit like. You know, I always was a little ticked off when like Zeppelin didn't credit Lead Belly or Robert Johnson, and in right. the Stones and Keith Richards they did. When mm-hmm. they did it, they so my it, to me is that like just have the respect as an artist that if you're gonna take something that's Lead Belly or Robert Johnson, don't act like you wrote the whole thing when you yeah. know that you didn't. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And now there's that other. What's that other band that sounds like Led Zeppelin?
0: Oh yeah, there's a new band that's out there that kind yeah. yeah, yeah. of
1: kind of channeling Zeppelin. I've heard. I know who
0: you're talking about. So yeah, but they're channeling but, Johnson and all those other guys too. I mean, the blues is the blues, but yeah, there's some things that you can say. Well, that's kind of verbatim Robert Johnson. That's really that's really taking it. And that's so what's that's
1: interesting. It's like you can like Are you straight up copying it on purpose? Or is that just such uh, an influence on your style that you don't even realize you sound exactly like? Uh,
0: yeah, I think a lot of people maybe, kind of know Jimmy Page. Greta, Van, a... Fleek. Like, <laughs> yeah, Greta, Greta Van, Van Fleek. It's yeah, yeah.
1: like, why aren't they just a Zeppelin cover band? Like, would they have more success yeah, just maybe. as a as a cover band? I don't know.
0: Well, it's kind of where your feel is. You know, because you you their feel is so like really in the zone and yeah. they're kind of really mimicking it. And some critics have really been heavy on them saying yeah. like, you guys need to be a little bit like, you know, Aerosmith. They're not exactly Zeppelin. They're like their own thing. Right. And so it's like there's a whole thing. of like, well, you could be in the zone, but you still can go off. It's like it's like when when Steve Ray Vaughn plays Voodoo Child, it's the Texas blues version of Voodoo Child. It's no, you know, it stands on its own against what the cosmic version of Hendrix's cosmic version is like. That's, that's, that's it. You know, that's his.
1: Yeah. But Stevie
0: is coming from a different perspective and it's still good. Yeah. But it's like both of them stand because they're not exactly the same. It's like there's a lot of differences in terms of how, how it is. If you really listen, it's not the same.
1: And you don't do covers. People don't do covers like that anymore. Or like, you know, back then everyone passes around a song because it's, you know, it's a great song. So you write an amazing song and then all, all the, everybody plays their own and puts their own spin, their own version on it, their own style on it. And I feel like, you know, people aren't writing songs good enough to do that anymore. So you have to do a remix. So you have to, (laughs) you have to do your own version of the production of it. To actually make it sound good, but it's like what? Like, what's the deal? Are all the good songs written? No, and... I don't
0: think so. I think it's the problem is, <laughs> I think you got some producers that like to clone too much. You know, in my opinion, I, I see people using the same drops and the same plugins and the same stuff. It's like really, and I, I have a feeling some of them are doing it because they just want to keep on getting the royalties from re- the
1: Works, it. yeah. If you do if you do it, works. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you would do what works so and you keep on getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Why not? It's the same thing over and over. But, 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 yeah, it's like, where, where are you going to get the courage of a guy like a Dylan to go and right. do what he did, which was like totally against the grain to, mm-hmm. to do what he did with his voice? People would say, well, that's not, that's not what a singer does. But then he mm-hmm. made it what a singer can do. And then he inspired a whole generation of people that don't have to be like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole. They don't have to have perfect pitch. Yeah. And so the idea of the singer-songwriter that you could come in there, and you didn't have to have somebody in Tim Pan Alley that you could actually write it, you know, and mm-hmm. you could sing it. And it could be you. And and it seems like some of that is kind of going away where people want to be Beyonce or they want to be Taylor Swift. They want they want to be exactly the standard bearer and they're not willing to, to kind of take the risk that the singer-songwriters did of being uniquely, you know, themselves. Yep. You know, and so, you know, I, and I still live in the underground, you know, of trying to find the next Joy Division, the next could Do, the next replacements. I'm always looking, and that's who I interview a lot. I interview a lot of bands from the underground that people don't know, because that's what, you know, I, I don't do as much as I used to, maybe one or two inter- interviews a month, but that is kind of my love where I started as a podcaster, is because that's you know as, a, as like kind of like a college radio guy, because mm-hmm. I was one of those kids that heard REM on IRS, you know heard yeah. Joy Division, that you know saw Duran Duran before they broke, you know, and then you like saw Echo and a Bunny Man and say yeah that's 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 kicking, that's something that's cool, you know, and that that was always I've always been interested in in the bands that people don't listen to, and then mm-hmm. become you know, they end up getting signed, you know, the replacements mm-hmm. got signed, you know, who's could do got signed. That stuff happens, you know, Nirvana, they were on sub pop. And then, then suddenly they broke because they just, they were pushing it. And that that's where I like, I, I would like to see more people pushing it. And I, there are people pushing it since the A&R people aren't pushing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And just like, uh, you know, for, for the music stuff or just like anything, any or any freelance job or any, uh, any passion you want to pursue on your own. Like you don't get fired from, you can't get fired from, yeah, but you get from longer. your, from creating you, like you can only quit. So it's, you're only a failure if you give up. Um, and just like, like any creator or uh, music, it's, there's so many stories of, of bands that you hear about, they just like, oh, they blew up overnight. It's like, no, they've been, yeah, they've been, they've been grinding <laughs> for a decade. And then you just, this is just the first time you've heard of them. So it looks to you like they, they well, like up. the
0: Velvets, you know, nobody knew the Velvet Underground at all. Yeah. Until finally he broke with Transformer because Bowie loved what the Velvets were. And then he helped them give him like super powered, you know, uh, a assistance. Yeah, but it wasn't just that
1: one thing. It was everything before that leading up to that. From like
0: '66 to the mid '70s, you know, Uh the the Velvet stuff had been out there since 1966, Mm -hmm. and then he basically took the same ideas that a lot of musicians had heard. It said, well, that stuff's fantastic," like Bowie. You know, there's all these people heard it and like, "Yeah, that's great." He he triggered so many bands, and he's like, "Well, I wish I got the money." Yeah, like Lou Reed, one time saying, "I wish I got the money from all the people who said they I, they were inspired by me." <laughs> but uh, yeah, he finally yeah. kind of broke through. Uh, but it was, it was like you know he found a way to to get that voice out there, and it wasn't the same as the Velvet. But the content was was you know the the, the lyrics were still in the same vein of what he had been doing. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the mid walk on the wild side, it's not that different from stuff that's on like on Velvet Underground and Nico it's the same content, the same type of lyrics. It's just, it Ooh. broke through because it had better production. Um, and it's just, you know, that, that's the kind of thing that can happen where, you know, a band, because, like my big band, that a lot of people don't really under, know about is a big star, Alex Chilton and big star. And I don't know if you're ever into them, but they were like this power pop band from the seventies that was unknown. And they influenced a lot of alternative bands from the pumpkins to, to like, uh, you know, Pearl Jam, a lot of people will name check um mm, yeah. replacements. Paul Westberg name checked Alex Chotner like all the time. Um, because it was just something about the way they put together things in their first three records, like you number know, one record, Radio City, third. I still listen to that stuff. And people say, like, Well, you know, that's that's not what's happening, but it's like, you know, it's what's happening for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just interesting um, how how you can take your passion uh, and and apply it, and in the in the whole thing about podcast, what I love about it is that we're living in this world where we have these free form discussions and they go longer than five minutes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's kind of like we're in a five minute thirty second ninety second culture, and the podcast is able to kind of you know slow it down and get people to to listen to something a little bit longer. And you know and and that that to me has been something I really enjoy about it.
1: and it's really interesting over some like lockdown pandemic situations where it seems like there were podcasts that were in a way i I don't wanna say, but maybe like maybe fully replacing like community. so the like people attached to personalities in their favorite podcasts, as if, you know, you know, I, there are certain people that I can think of that I'm like, I wish I was friends with them or even mm-hmm. like, I feel like I am friends with them because mm-hmm. of all That's the weird. time that we've spent together, you know, so it's like there's, and you can do it anytime. So people are just like, especially working from home, plugging into the podcast all day.
0: Yeah, it was kind of like that YouTuber thing. Like, like, I was always, I'm still into Dashy. You know, and like, and when I watch him, I just like, wow. I just like yeah. hit the entertainment value. And he's not even playing the games like at the high level of a, like an ultimate gamer. He's funny. He's like watching yeah. Saturday Night Live. You know, And it's like that, you know, you feel like, wow, it's like that, that personality. Yeah. And I think that's what comes through is like they, they have people that actually have like entertainment level personality. You know,
1: I, yeah, I think like, of wow. John Mayer too. I uh, think the other day I watched him for like an hour, like not playing music but putting together, uh, like a some carrying case. I don't know what, what it was, <laughs> but it's <just> like, <laughs> I was just, how did I do this? Like, what happened? Like, why did I get sucked into this? You did you get sucked into that, yeah? But yeah, it's interesting
0: because, uh, it's just, uh, I think people just like, like to have that connection where like yeah. people are authentic. And they, they kind of show themselves, you feel like you get to know them and that makes people comfortable. And, you know, the podcast world is just able to get, you know, you get exposed to a lot of different people you get to see, you know, who, who they are and, and they make you feel like you want to come back. You know, I think that is, that's just something we've been able to, you know, be out here. We're not the biggest person out here, but we've been able to do is be consistent. Cause people tell yeah. us oh, you know, they fail after 12 episodes and we've been out here like 894.
1: Yeah. You're and not think, failing. You're just stopping.
0: Like, yeah. We just keep on going. and like the way we, we just kept on going and we're getting, you know, benefits. We're getting numbers. Now we're starting to get some numbers and it, it wasn't about the numbers. It was about like, we just like to do it. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's just started coming into our brand, you know, it's helped our music. It's helped us have connections. We've been able to work with other producers, be able to work with other bands, just because people have seen us and found something interesting is, hey, we want to talk to that, that phantom. You know, we, I want to talk to Keith. I want, and people come to me and then they're like, hey, could, you know, I'm working with different people on different things. You know, some of the life coaches I get into, they're like, they're interested in music therapy. And they, they want me to put some ambient music together, get people want me to write theme songs for their nonprofits. You get all kinds of work that you would have never thought.
1: Oh yeah. That too.
0: They, this just comes in, you know, just mm-hmm. because you're out there and because you're out there consistently. And I, I just tried to, to try to link music to other things. And so I people say, well, how can a music guy talk to a CEO? Well, everybody loves the Beatles. <laughs> like they, they were music like,
1: guys can talk to anyone man yeah it's
0: like it's like the well like an influencer like the beatles how many people did they influence right yeah. like so the idea that that you can't talk to influencers or you can't talk to people people like music is a communication language people hear something and they they see a sound painting they get brought into a film they get brought into an emotion it can help you like straighten your mind out if you've been like freaking out and you you're all you go and you listen to Enya, you know to gotta yeah. calm down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna calm down.
1: It's magic, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you want to get hyped. You get some funk. You listen some some James Brown, and then you, you yeah. get happy, you know. And yeah. you, you can get you know, involved with, in like whatever Dylan was writing. He's like, wow, that's amazing. That's like like Pulitzer Prize Pulitzer Prize winning poetry,
1: and mm-hmm. you're like,
0: yeah, this is this is just a form that can really help you. Yeah, and, and that's the way I decided, like, I'm going to weave how music is connected to like everything. And that, yeah. that's my whole thing. And it's interesting that you're coming from like a sound production and music point of view to increase the capabilities or an enhance podcast.
1: And that's the thing talking about personalities. Cause I, I've done a lot of vocal production in, in coaching, like uh, a singer, in in a microphone a lot of times people just have sing live a lot but don't have a lot of time in the studio and then they come in the studio and you have to different technique yeah you have to you have to create an atmosphere where they're comfortable doing that where and just you know singers can be uh temperamental (laughs) yeah oh well on the emotional side of 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 process of like emotional processors so um there's a lot of in this i think rick rubin talks about this a lot too it's all about creating a comfortable safe atmosphere and then sneaking in the actual uh suggestions of what you think they should do and it's very similar with uh with podcasts too especially people getting started with new podcasts people think they have this character or persona of themselves that they want to be perceived as so when they first start a podcast that there's uh there, there's something there and sometimes it's uh, it can be perceived as inauthentic to mm-hmm. to uh to the listener and you gotta like i have to constantly encourage people to like be yourself like no we don't need to cut that thing out that like thank you i want to cut this out <laughs> and it's like no that is that's a vulnerable moment of, of you being vulnerable and it's yeah maybe hard for you to listen back to or like embarrassing, but that's mm-hmm. the thing that is your personality. That is the uniquely you thing that people will attach to in a podcast and why, uh, you, you know, you don't need to be someone else. The, your podcast yeah. is going to be better and people are going to perceive your vulnerability when you're more yourself
0: it's like the happy accident like if you go into the studio right and and somebody is like they're not on the the mic they want to be on but they end up doing like a unbelievably heartfelt performance and then they say well i want to go do this on the better mic and then they don't capture the same performance yeah yeah that's the
1: ryan adams thing too he says like oh i need to redo that part and he's like no you can't pay for mistakes like that like yeah leave that that makes it it. real even like the tiniest mistake like that's that's human and that's authentic and that's real. We don't need to like, don't need to redo that.
0: Yeah. And even on Todd Rundgren, something, anything, he actually has like a a little bit of clip of him doing production work in the studio. And he said, yeah, these, these are, this is bad editing. This is like a (laughs) a happy accident. This is like me cutting the tape and, and not putting it back. Right. And it's like, and if you listen to hello, it's me and you actually listen to it. It's got like miscues on the mic It's got like some drum, you know, parts are a little off. It's got stuff going on. And if you listen to it and it's, it was left in there. And it's like, there's something about that in the seventies where people had some of these micro errors or, you know, happy accidents and say, you know, the stones, like Keith Richards, like the way he plays on, you know, Exile Main Street, you don't want to fix that.
1: Oh yeah. There's the, Steven Tyler talks about dropping or like breaking a, a, a thing and you can still hear it in the recording. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. You can hear it. It like, breaks the vibraslap, slap and it left it in the recording.
0: Yeah. There's some, there's a lot that's interesting about leaving that stuff in and then you get people. And I love, I mean, the dog made people have access to a lot, but one of the things people make the mistake of trying to make sing things perfect. And yep. I think like, music has never been perfect. Yeah, You know, you listen to the stuff from the twenties and the thirties. And there's something about and, you know that you know the, the old the really old music and I, I was listening to a lot of stuff on vinyl that my father had, and I was like, wow, this stuff is just fantastic, but I don't think people would let it out of the studio now, you yeah. know, and it's like that's a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, hopefully, in kind of integrating the previous conversation about AI into it too, like hopefully there, I think we will still value that humanness uh, in, in the human creation. So like we can use AI as a tool in music or in whatever creative thing, but you still have to have the human driving it and have the, I guess, infallibility and uh, like, you still got to have, still got to have mistakes
0: yeah, that's kind of like when people were. I think there was this conversation that Miles Davis was having with this interview person. The Person was interviewing him, and he said, "Well, how much do you practice? You must practice." It's like, say it's, like, it's not about the practice. How are you going to practice for improvisation? He's like, "Like, you don't. How are you going to know what you don't know?" And and I was watching watching a, a lot of jazz musicians were pointing out that like practicing over and over doesn't actually let you get like bebop or fusion or any of the forms is like, it's actually the communication that you have with your bandmates is living in the present and knowing what to do when somebody hits that bad note, and hits the bad key, how you recover from it or how you turn it into an opportunity.
1: And that's the Einstein quote is the insanity is doing the same thing over and over. And I feel like people mistake that quote and they use that and say, don't do the same thing over and over, but doing the same thing over and over is practice. Like practice is attempting to do the same thing over and over and getting a different result. Yeah. yeah. So like there is a little bit of insanity that goes into being such a specialist on an instrument and like the hours and hours doing whatever you want to call it, whether it's practice or actually doing. Yeah. Exercises. Like performing exercise. Yeah. yeah. Exercising. Yeah. Exercising. Same thing yeah. in the gym, like lifting yeah. in the gym is insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over and get different results.
0: Yeah. It's, a, it's the whole point is like uh, when you're, when you're practicing and you're doing those exercises, it's like, like Zappa, people asked him, like, he could read and he could write. Yeah. But he used to say like, I don't want to play my car's heart solos the same. He, there's, yeah. a, there's a quote about him, like I'm not going to play him the same way and some people make you know in, in a lot of heavy metal music like it's actually part of the song to play that solo exactly the same from like the yeah. Iron Maidens of the world and stuff like that they're into like playing that solo exactly the same and I understand yeah. that's part of the form but when you look that's at Frank Zappa Zappa was like like, no that's not what I do <laughs> yeah but they, 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 to, to their own but I mean that was his thing to him it wasn't fun and I kind of he's
1: not a he's yeah. not a guitarist. He's not a he's, a, he's a, a performer. He's a yeah. personality and a performer. Like Iron Maiden's a, uh,
0: a yeah, a group. The, 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 I don't
1: know. Yeah, there's different there's different things, different ways to Yeah. Well they
0: their their audience kind of expects it because the kind of way they wrote it. You know, they, yeah, they that's like their genius personality genius. that's Jesus yeah, the priests of the Worlds and Iron Maiden. Yeah. So they kind of they're they kind of get themselves into that. That's part of the the performance and their fans expect them to it's an integral part that solo is exact it's like somebody singing the lyrics. It's yeah. like it's it's tied to the song. It is yeah. part of the structure. It's kinda of like classical music. It seems like it's got some classical music aspects where there some heavy metal touch starts to get into the foundational stuff that's like it's on the bars, it's written down, that's what it is.
1: Yeah. I'm a big coheed and Cambria fan. They're a <laughs> big big Iron Maiden influence. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's interesting. interesting. I, I like everything. I listen to like anything that's out there. Like people like oh, wow, like from Johnny Cash to Black Sabbath. You know, I'm yeah. I'm, like, I'm all over the place. And I'm like, into like you know, I've been listening to a lot of Sun Ra. You know, they there's a jazz band, and people might not know they went and did bebop and then they did fusion, kind of ahead of yeah, Miles yeah. Davis, and um, and they dressed up kind of like funkadelic before funkadelic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think Funkadelic maybe copied them, because <laughs> they used to dress in space costumes in like '56.
1: See, and did they, they copy them? I, that's what's what's interesting. They just you can't know. I think, know the, if they I, think them I think were...
0: well, I think George Clinton knew about it, and they said, "Well, maybe the '70s is the right time for this," and it was.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Like in '56 and '57, it's like people are like looking at this bebop band that dressed like space aliens, and they're like, "What's that?" And yeah. it, it didn't really get, go over that well. Um, but like by the time you get to the mothership, it's like, oh yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. sometimes you do something a little ahead of the curve. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah. So from pod-loop.com, if people go there, what would they find? Is there a way to book like a, 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 a your, your work? They can engage you right there.
1: Yeah, they can just uh, put their contact information there. There's a just a little form to fill out and contact. Uh, there's a list of all the services there. So, um, if you put your contact in, I'll send you text within a day and see where you're at and how we can get started and how I can help out with getting started with a new think? podcast or reworking an old podcast or uh, continuing with uh, with podcast you got going. If you want to improv your improve your audio quality
0: what what do you think about like the reels and the clips and the shorts of the world like is there i've been actually experimenting with taking clips from my podcast and putting them into reels and put them in the shorts um putting them on those type of formats is that something that you think is 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 a good way to engage
1: oh yeah definitely um and that's something i provide too when i edit when i edit a podcast i'll cut out the the highlights and the, the, you know, the, those real type uh, clips. Clips. Um, And I think that's really important, especially with however, you know, they keep changing algorithms and how they work. And I heard something the other day, especially for, for marketing. And this was in the context of music. Like if you're an artist and if you're a podcaster, like on, especially on social media, you need to act like no one's ever heard of you. So having, like people in people record a podcast and then put up one clip or one social media announcement saying this episode is out and that doesn't go to even all of your followers unless yeah, they, yeah. you know, so like the people that are blowing up on social media and in, in the podcast world are posting at, you know, every day or consistently. So the yeah, algorithms yeah. like consistency. So what whatever your schedule is at the same time, every week, same time, every day, like you benefit from just posting something at the same time uh, and, and getting, getting a schedule going. And it's interesting. Cause I've noticed, you know, getting older, that's the same in, in life stuff in improving in just in real life and growing as a person. The habits are the important thing in doing a routine, habitual things.
0: So Yeah. It's like showing up. It's like our podcast is always yeah. showing up and we've been using yeah. tools like Facebook events and YouTube events to push it out. So that like a week or two, like we've got stuff posted going out to like July yeah. as Facebook events and, 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 you know, YouTube events. And, and then we run clips and then we run reels and, it's, it's, and we've been getting bigger engagement. It's starting to, you know, it's an effort. Because the algorithm yeah. shift, you know, we'll do something and the algorithm suddenly doing good and then suddenly it drops. Cause then they're like, Oh, we don't want to support that way you do anymore. And so like, we gotta try a different way.
1: <laughs> and you gotta have the consistency to hit it when it's when it's right, because people don't can't predict a virality.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's hard to predict that. You just gotta keep on pushing. But but with
1: great... the with especially with AI creation, and we're gonna hit so much of a huge like quantity of content, They're that at some point out. I have to believe that it's going to focus back down to quality. Like you have to have quality. People, we're sh- like humans adjust very quickly, and then we're going to learn. I think how to uh, how yeah, to scope noise. out the fake things and yeah, the noise really like, focus you- in on yeah, yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> with a max headroom artificial AI podcast host might yeah. engage people initially but then when there becomes a thousand copies of that
1: yeah and then that's not are gonna
0: get like i don't like that you know people are just gonna get bored of it they,
1: you're not gonna they, listen to hundreds of episodes of that
0: no eventually you're gonna like what well, i looked like that's like uh, it's like yesterday yeah yeah <laughs> so it's like i think the variability of a human being you just don't know what they're gonna do and the predictability yep. is like yeah it's fine but they also people want to be challenged, and they like the authentic human factor. And I think that that's always going to be something. It's never going to get you know hand built cars. People are still going to want hand built cars. Yeah, they're going to want the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis, even if something's mass built. There's always in, somebody yeah, wants the custom. analog sense. Yeah, yeah, the custom motorcycle, in custom mount Seventies vintage yeah. bases. Yeah, people go looking for it. They're looking for that hand built stuff. And there's still going to be a niche for people who do that, and I, yeah. I, I you know, I think it's not going to knock everybody out, but I, you do have to be forward thinking. You know, you have to you figure out what could you do that is uniquely human that's going to kick, because some things like yeah, the, the McDonald's might be fully automated, and you can't probably work there anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that that's probably going to be gone. So it's like so it's like if that's what you were aspiring to, like you maybe you have to aspire a little more because that that's probably not going to be around. Um, but that you know i think human beings are are made to do more than like uh flip burgers and do stuff so maybe that will get people more into their authentic self anyway
1: yes yes that's the so key so thank I'll you again
0: <laughs> thank you again for being on the show we we sorry to kick off but we 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 have another one oh, coming no. up <laughs> but um yeah we'll, we'll we'll get you the landing page for your audience and so they can watch or listen to this however they want to. That will be later today, and you'll be able to put that out there. And if you do want an MP4, we can actually send that to the email. I think you have an email on the calendar. So if you want that, yeah. you can use that however you want. Cut it up. So we'll give you the MP4 so you can do that. And if, We can also send the MP3, but I don't know if the MP4 is good enough. You let me know.
1: That will be great. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Okay, thank you. Have a good day.
1: You too.